0: Good morning, morning. Good to see everyone. Uh, my name is Benji Baker. If you don't know me, I'm the student pastor here, and uh, I get to fill in for preaching every once in a while whenever uh, you know pastors on sabbatical. So it's really it's a joy to be here this morning and open up God's word with you. Um, if um, if you weren't here, I got to preach about a month ago, and one thing I shared is that I recently just got back from this crazy out west trip. You know, with my kids, we went to the Grand Canyon and a lot of driving, probably over you know. Who knows, 60, 70 hours in the car, you know, round trip. So, uh, but there's one thing that if you've ever been a long trip with kids, one thing that they ask over and over is, are we there yet? You know, so you can imagine 60 hours of, are we there yet? Are we there yet? And of course, if they're asking that question, we're not there yet, <laughs> right? That's it's pretty, yeah. And kids have a hard time with time, right? I don't totally get that. So, um, but then the next question is always, then how much longer? That's right, how much longer? How much longer? And so, um, you know, so maybe you've experienced that with the road trip. I know some parents out there, you're like, how much longer till school starts back, right? We got three weeks. Okay, we're close. Uh, you can feel that. Uh, but, uh, you know, we asked that question um, and with, with lots of different things. Uh, but what this morning, what I want us to kind of think about is uh, this week, me and my wife were in a conversation. And we were just talking about how, like, like, life's great. But, man, there's so many disappointments, too. Like, it's just full of just, like, you know, ups and downs and, and disappointing at times. And so I thought you know as we get into this message today I just wanted to share a few things that over the years I've just kind of noticed and, and looked at and just kind of either I've gone through this or family friends people I love have gone through this and so hopefully you can connect with some of this stuff um, one is man just think about all the relational conflict like there's just so much relational conflict out there just think I mean if you're a middle school high school kid college kids maybe you've been through a breakup right like that's just like at that time that, whoa that is just like heartbreaking or maybe you haven't had a person today yeah that's heartbreaking uh, you know, maybe you've been through a divorce, and so you're somebody who's been through divorce. Maybe you're a kid or your family's been through a divorce. And that's just heartbreaking. Uh, conflict with friends, right? Maybe you've got a friend out there that y'all used to be best friends, and you're not friends anymore. You don't even speak. Uh, you, know, you, you know, I know as a parent, my kids fight all the time, right? Like, that's just what they do. They're really good at that. And, and so what we can say is like, how much longer? How much longer? Uh, just think about just physical health. Like, my goodness. Like, so many people we know and love are just suffering. Uh, whether it's sickness, I mean, goodness, this year's been a, a year full of sickness. So it's going to continue, uh, disease, cancer, chronic sickness, disabilities. Like, and, and you just, you know, you, you and if you go through that stuff, or you know, someone who goes through that, you just ask, how much longer? How much longer? Uh, think about emotional health. My goodness, anxiety, depression, you know, suicidal thoughts, OCD. I mean, the list could just go on and on and on. And people that you love that struggle with that. You're like, how much longer? Uh, Poverty really gets to me. Uh, We partnered for years with the church in Haiti before the violence got too strong there. And when you go over there and you you just, you see this family of five sleeping on a little mattress. You know, that's where they sleep on the ground. And like, that's their life. And and, and you see this kid here who's physically not growing like like he should. and, And the medic on your trip just says, all he needs is just a little peanut butter each day. Just that amount of protein would make him grow like he should. And you see that stuff and you hear about this stuff all around the world, and you're like, God, how much longer? Um, man, and, and the sin of just partiality, of judgment. My goodness, our world is filled with so much hate. Whether it's hate for someone who looks different than you, has different you know, soci- social status than you, a different kind of amount of money than you, a different color skin than you, a different nationality, right? It doesn't matter. There's so much hate, and we just say, God, how much longer? How much longer? And then death, my goodness, I'm sure many of you have experienced some kind of loss of something in your life, whether if it was an animal, right, that you loved dearly, or if it was a, a grandparent or a friend. I mean, just this week, I'm walking, or I'm, I'm going on a run in my neighborhood, and this neighbor kind of starts flagging me down, and I'm like, okay, what's going on? That's, you know, I talk to him a lot, but this is odd. And I walk over there, and he just starts weeping. And he tells me this tragic, tragic story of, of his son-in-law who was on a mission trip, to Mexico, and he tragically drowned on the mission trip. Left behind a family of five, a wife and five kids, right? Woo. And so, you know, we've, we've had so much loss in this church. You've had so much loss with friends and people you love. Like, how much longer? And then just evil reigns, right? If you look around, there's just evil all around us, abuse, the vulnerable taken advantage of. You see murder, rape, killings, drugs. I mean, you could just go on and on and on. And we ask, how much longer? And so that's where today, so if you're a believer in here, you believe in Jesus, um, uh, what I want to say to you is, man, we're going to have great hope. We're going we're gonna to answer that question. We're not going to get the answer as far as the specific time, but we're going to get to see what God does when he comes back and he restores and makes everything right. Um, And so if you're a believer this morning, you're in good company because throughout the scriptures, what I love about the Bible is it's very raw and real. It's not these people who are perfect and just totally have it all together. Listen to what Habakkuk says in 1, 2 through 3. He says this, how long, Lord, must I call for help and you do not listen or cry out to you about violence and you do not save? Why do you force me to look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? See, that struggle, that tension, he's crying out to God with that. King David had some similar Questions. He said, Lord, how long will you forget me forever? Or, or forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will I store up anxious concerns within me? Agony in my mind every day? How long will my enemy dominate me? Consider me and answer, Lord my God, restore brightness to my eyes. Otherwise, I will sleep into death. That's Psalms 13:1 three. You see, um, so if you're a believer today, you're in good company, right? This is, this is normal, right? Because we know something's not right with the world, and we, we long for God to come and make it back. But now, if you don't believe in Jesus today, I just want you to, just to think about it for a little bit. All that stuff we just talked about, like, what's your answer? How do you deal with that? Like, is it really just pointless? Is, is, is all of that stuff that people go through, is it pointless and at the end of the day, it's just over? Is that your answer? If that's it, that's okay. I just want you to think about that and wrestle with this, that this morning. Or is the answer just progress? Is it just, hey, we're going to get smarter, we're going to get wealthier, we're going to get uh, you know, better technology, better medicine, better government? Right? Like, how's that working? You know, like, is the answer really progress? I mean, we have progressed a lot, but is that the answer? Because this world is still full of just lots of pain and suffering, and we've got to be real and honest with that this morning. And so as, we, as we, we go to God's word this morning, I'm hoping it gives you encouragement and hope. Okay, wherever you're at, uh, this morning. So, if you will, if you'll turn with me, we're going to be in Second Thessalonians one through twelve. And as as you turn there, uh, we've been in First Thessalonians for a while, and, uh, and this was a, a letter that Paul wrote to this really young church that was living out their faith in a very hostile environment. And so they've already received the first letter, and at this point, um, you know, they've probably written back and saying, "Hey, Paul, here's some other questions we have," and this is kind of Paul's response. Uh, to whatever they wrote back. So this is further instructions, further encouragement um, of, of what they're going through. And so, um, so um, go ahead and turn with me. I'm going to read real quick uh, 2 Thessalonians 1 through 4. We're going to start there this morning. It says this, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So persecutions and afflictions. So everything I shared earlier, those are just kind of common sufferings that everybody kind of goes through at some point. Um, so, of course, these Thessalonians are going through that. But the Scripture is also saying that they're actually being persecuted. And so they're, they're experiencing this other suffering because here's what they're doing. They're proclaiming Jesus in a culture that doesn't like Jesus. They're saying he is the only way to salvation. He is our only hope of everything being restored and made right again. He is our hope. And they're proclaiming that to a world that says, you know what, there's lots of ways. You know, you can't just say there's one way. And they are being persecuted. They are being kicked out of families. They are being made fun of. They are losing jobs. They are being arrested. Uh, many of them would eventually lose their life because of this message. So the suffering, talked about earlier, then also there's this extra suffering happening because of, of their faith in Jesus. But what's super encouraging here, gospel, Paul's going to give them gospel-centered encouragement. That's your first point there, gospel-centered encouragement. So listen to this. Look how he starts. He says, verse 2, he's going to remind them of, of the gospel. He says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So remember, grace is something that's given to you. He's reminding them, hey, you believed in Jesus, the good news, the grace that he's given you, the, the hope, right, that you can be saved from your sins and that you can be made right with God and that all can be restored. So he's reminding them that you have believed in that, so you stand in that. And because of that, what? Peace from God. God, whatever you're going through, God is actually for you, and he is with you. See how hopeful that is in the midst of suffering? And So God's not against me. He's not coming against me right now. He's actually with me, and he's for me, and I stand in his grace and his favor because of my belief in Jesus. So Paul's reminding them of that. So to persevere, they've got to have that gospel-centered uh, reminder of, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I and mean, Here's what I love uh, is that they're actually... Um, they're, they're, they're flourishing, right? It says in this scripture here is that they're actually, their faith is flourishing. Like, so in the midst of this, things are, you know, like they're depending on God more and more and more as life gets difficult. I know for me, a lot of times when life gets difficult, I don't depend on God as much. I'm like, I get mad, I get angry, but they're, what are they doing? They're depending on God because that's all they have in this culture. The next thing I love, it also says that their, their love is growing for each other. Isn't that beautiful? Think about how many times you go through conflict or some of suffering. A lot of times you start fighting with each other. You know, you get mad at other people because you've got so much going on uh, in your heart, and you don't know how to voice it, and you take it out on the people that you love the most. But look, here, because they are grounded in the gospel, they're depending on God, they're loving each other in the midst of a really, really difficult time. And that's probably part of the thing that's holding them together because everything else in this world is against them at this point. And I love this. And so and Paul basically says, man, that like, but, but your actions are, are, you know, God deserves praise because of what you're doing. And so all of a sudden, they are a testimony uh, to, to all the other churches in this area. You know, they're like, they're like, the news is spreading about how their faith and their love is growing, right, in the midst of really difficult times. A reminder was the angels last week when they shared their story. My goodness, like, faith and love for each other flourishing in a really difficult place, right? And you can see that they were grounded in the hope of Jesus and see, that's a testimony that we boast about, that we're excited about. And that's what's happening in this church. Um, someone, as I was studying this, came to mind this week. If you see this picture, uh, this is my friend Gens. Uh, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's, uh, this is my whole family here. This is Gens and his wife, Adna. And uh, they live, he lives in Haiti. He's born and raised in Haiti. And he's a guy that we've been partnered with uh, for a long time. He's planning a church in, in Haiti right now. Um, but one thing I remember years ago when we go to Haiti and you see all this really hard stuff, I always, I love to ask him in front of a lot of other people, students, say, like, hey, Gens, like, when I look at these really difficult things, these kids that are starving and all this stuff, like, I think God's not good. And, and, like, how would you answer that? And he just, he always, he stands up, right, and he gives a testimony. He's like, what do you mean God's not good? Like, like, like I ate, like, two days ago. Like, I breathed. You know, like I've got God's people, I've got God's favor. God is forgiving my sins. How could He not be good? You see that perspective? Like He's not looking at His suffering through His eyes. He's looking at His suffering through the eyes of the gospel, right? And I love that. And so, this last week, uh, two weeks ago, I don't know if you heard, but uh, there was an assassination of the president in Haiti, and uh, we haven't been able to go there for years because of the violence. It's just gotten worse and worse. And so I reached out to Gens, I was like, Gens, man, what is, how are you, and it's, you know, how's the church, how can I pray for you? And listen to this. He says, please pray for us because we don't know how this will turn out. I know the consequences will be bad for us, but we don't know how bad. So he's expecting things are going to get worse, but he don't know how bad. The only hope I have is in the goodness and faithfulness of God towards his people. And he says, Ban bon bon which means God is good all the time. see that amen right he's flourishing right faithful and that gives me great hope right there so wherever you're at I don't know if your faith is flourishing this morning whatever you're going through if your love for others is is flourishing it's growing but man put your hope right in the hope of Jesus and so that's gonna be our next point is actually he's not just gonna give encouragement he's gonna give these people gospel-centered hope and so let me read now uh, 2 Thessalonians 1 uh, 5 through 10 On those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus they will suffer the the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might when he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed because our testimony to you was believed oh man some heavy words there we're going to unpack that but uh So basically what he's saying is now he's, you know, he's getting them to think about not just their current suffering, but now he's saying, hey, look, I want you to look towards the future. I want you to have some hope because something's coming. There's a day coming when God, when Jesus, and it says here a few things, he's a righteous judge. So Jesus, the righteous judge, is going to come back. And then also it says he's going to do justice. It says, you know, he's going to do what's right. So basically just means he's going to do what's right. And so he's giving them hope because he's reminding them that this day is coming. And and there's a few things here. I mean, it says that he's coming on that day uh, with his mighty angels in flaming fire. So you see this picture of of Jesus coming back to to, to judge the world. Um, And and that can be really difficult for us sometimes because a lot of times we're like, Jesus is love, right? Like, love is all all that matters. Yes, he is love, but he's also just. And he can't let this suffering and this stuff keep happening. He's got to make it right. Because that's who he is. And so it reminds me of uh, Matthew 3.11. If you remember when John the Baptist is talking about, you know, he's kind of saying who Jesus is. He's pointing him out. He says a few things. It's interesting. He says, one, that um, he's, he's greater than him, right? He's greater than, than, than John. And he says that um, basically when he comes, he's not just going to baptize with water. He's coming to baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And then he goes on to give this description of basically the, this day, the day of judgment, when Jesus comes back. And he basically is going to separate. He's going to separate those who believe in Jesus and those who don't believe in Jesus. Okay? So there's going to be a separation. And this is what they're talking about in this passage here. And so, and so here's the thing. These two types of people, they are very similar. Okay? Very, very similar. Both of these people are sinners. Okay? Both of them. Right? Uh, believe it or not, but both of them are sinners. Uh, Both of them have done some really bad things probably in this life. Both of them have probably suffered. Both of them have probably hurt others and caused others to suffer. Both of them have maybe done some really good things. But those good things are nothing right in comparison to God's way and his righteous standard. So all of their good things, whatever that is, has fallen short of God's standard. And so both have earned judgment And Scripture says the wages, so what we earn because of our sin, is death. Both have earned death. And both on this day will sit before the righteous judge and have to answer for what they've done. You see, Jesus is saying, that day is coming. Okay? Get ready. And it's a message of hope for those who believe. And it's a message of, it's a warning for those who don't believe right now. And so... Before I get into this, I want to tell you a little story. Uh, this is a picture here, uh, pretty cool. Uh, we, we have this hanging in our house, if you can see this. Uh, this picture reminds me of a neighbor, uh, Mr. Luke, okay? So Mr. Luke was a guy that we met in our neighborhood. He was a really old man and really lonely. He had this awesome apple tree in his yard, and every time we'd walk by there with the kids, he you know, he was like, hey, come over here get some apples. So we got to know Mr. Luke pretty good and get in his life. And uh, But what we learned from Mr. Luke is that, man, he was just... He had no friends, um, and he definitely didn't know Jesus, and, and over, the, you know, over, over time, we got to just get to know him. He, he gave this artwork to my wife because my wife loves to do art, and he, he, loved, he, he was a great artist, and he freehands all this stuff, so he gave this to her, um, but then one day, we had done a lot of good things. We had helped him uh, you know, get medicine and all this stuff, but then one day, all of a sudden, we see a ton of cars at his house, and we're like, what's going on? So we go over there, and we realize that Mr. Luke's cancer has come back, and it's come back really bad. And he's in hospice and he can't respond already like that quick and i'm telling you it was one of those things i'll put this here just as a reminder it's one of those things where i'm uh, so 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 sad to watch him slowly die and, and you're talking to this family who has no concept of god right or anything like that and i remember it was one of those things where we just you know we felt like we just missed the opportunity we did all these things there's opportunities to talk about jesus we talked about him in our life but we never had that conversation I'm like do you know jesus mr luke and so the only got, conversation i got to have with him was he's conscious but he can't he can't respond and i don't know what we talked about it. we prayed you know i don't know but man that was one of those things where it sits in our house because it reminds us of what we're talking about today that there's an urgency and that that this affects real people okay so as we get into this doctrine of hell like Like, this is not just like a, oh, cool, it's a cool doctrine. Like, this is real people that we love and care for that might spend eternity away from God. And so before I dive into this a little bit, I want you to just, just so it's real for you, like, I want you to think about that person in your life. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a family member that just, you can tell they don't know Jesus. Maybe it's, you know, if your student's a classmate, it's a person on one of your, your clubs or your sports team that doesn't know Jesus. Uh, maybe it's somebody that you work with maybe it's like his family that you go to the playground every week and you see them every week and you're like i don't know if they know jesus but i wish they did it could be a neighbor across the street but you need to have that person in mind as we talk about this next part of this passage because it is hard it's difficult it is weighty and if you don't understand that it affects real people then it's just going to go over your head and you're gonna be like oh yeah cool i'm going to heaven and they're going to hell like i want you to wrestle this morning does that make sense Wrestle with that. Okay, so here we go. Here's a few things that says, one is, uh, this is verse 8. Um, so the non-Christian, the non-Christ follower, here's what it says. They do not know God or obey the gospel of, Lord, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, they're very similar, but here's the one thing. It says they don't know God. And Romans tells us this, that basically, uh, that Romans 1, 19, is that they, they know of God. You know, God has revealed himself through many different ways. But as they chose to say, hey, you know what? I don't want that. I reject that. I want to I go my way, okay? And then also it says they don't obey the gospel of God, of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. That means maybe they've received the, the good news of Jesus. They've heard the good news. Like, man, this is the thing that will save you. And they say, no, nah, I, don't, I don't want that. I reject that. Or I don't believe in that. Or I'm not there yet. Does that make sense? And so, and so, and so on this day, here's what happens to that person, Okay? A few things, one thing, it says is that Jesus comes back with vengeance. Isn't that hard to say, Jesus comes back with vengeance? And vengeance is basically, he's going to repay the wrongs that have been happening. Okay, so all the wrongs that have happened, he's saying, you will now pay for those things that you've done. Okay, so he comes back with vengeance to repay with affliction those who afflict you. Okay, so he's doing justice. The next thing it says in verse 9, it says there's this eternal punishment. Or, you know, everlasting punishment. So therefore, it's what he's bringing, it is forever and ever and ever, everlasting. It doesn't stop. And the next part of the passage, verse 9, it's really the, the scariest part about this is, and this is really what hell is. It's basically, it says, you're eternally separated from his presence. You see, that's hell, right? Eternal separations from the presence of God. So what happens when you take away the presence of of heat things get cold right what happens when you take away the presence of light darkness you see this is really what hell is it's less about what God's doing to them it's more about what he's taking away from them he says you don't want me therefore I will remove my presence for you forever because that is the only way that I can restore this world and make it right again and I've been long-suffering, and it's been a long time before I've come to do this. But when that day comes, eternal separation. Jesus on hell, I gave you some passages there, just from Matthew. You can read that on your own. But here's what he says, talking about this eternal separation. Never-ending punishment, a fiery furnace, utter darkness, weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know, so that is how bad separation from God forever is. And I don't think we can you know, understand how bad that really is. And so that's something we got to wrestle with, right? And if you don't know Jesus, I want you to wrestle with that this morning. Here's what's really, really clear from the Bible. is that We don't see anywhere in the Bible where there's second chances. I know as believers, you want to believe that, right? Like, I want to believe that from Mr. Luke, like if he didn't really get it. Like, I want to say, hey, there's a second chance, but I don't see that anywhere in Scripture. And i got to trust God and his judgment and his justice. And also, it's really, really clear in Scripture that we don't see... Uh, The unbeliever in hell repenting and turning back to God. They ask for relief and ask for the suffering to stop, but there's never, hey God, I trust in you, I believe in you, like save me. No, it's just stop the punishment. Does that make sense? So we don't see that in scripture. C.S. Lewis says this in The Great Divorce, and I think it's a good quote. It says, there are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done, and those to whom who God says in the end Thy will be done. All that are in hell choose it. Without the self-choice, there could be no hell. No soul that seriously and constantly desires joy will ever miss it. Those who seek find, those who knock, it is open. Does that make sense? So he's saying, look, they get what they want, okay? And so if you don't believe in Jesus this morning, I just want you, it's a warning. That's God's grace in your life. That's God's love in your life. You get to hear the good news this morning, okay? And so I want you to seriously, Think about what you, how you deal with pain and suffering and then what God says about the hope you can have. So now let's move into the hopeful piece, right? And then so for a believer, part of that is hopeful, right? Because all that suffering they were going through, one day it's gone. And here's the hope here. Here's what it says. So a few things about the believer. This is verses 8 and 10. So obviously they believe in God. They know God. And they've, believed, they've obeyed the gospel. So that means they've trusted in Jesus for their salvation and in response they're following him. Um, And then it says, um, they believe the testimony. So they have believed because Paul came to this place and shared the gospel. And then these people who came to faith shared the gospel. So they believe because of the testimony of other believers. And here's what it says. On this day, verse 7, they will have relief from suffering. Rest, right? Isn't that awesome? Like if you're going through stuff, like one day there will be rest. That gives you hope. There will be relief from suffering. This is not the end. And the next thing, I love this, it says Jesus is glorified in his saints and they marvel at his glory. They marvel at him. So there's this picture of when Jesus comes back and restores everything on this day, there is not fear and trembling. There is marveling. There is excitement. They are astonished. They are in awe. They are worshiping. When John received revelations and he heard about the end times, he fell down and worshiped. Okay, he was just like, wow. So there is awe. Right? That's what happens, right? Because all this suffering and everything is made right. And then what's implied in the text, if, if unbelievers are away from his presence forever, then what's implied is that the believer gets God's presence forever. All right? And this is, this is uh, shared more in Revelations 21, 1 through 3. So let me read this to you. So they didn't have this at the time, but this was written later. Um, and so here's what it says Listen to this. Think about this day, right? This is what we long for. He goes, And I heard a loud voice. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. So this is going to happen. And look, so, so, so the gospel is just not personal salvation. It is, right? Yeah, we're made right with God, and, and we have, we'll, we'll be with him forever. But it says all things are made new, right? This is the picture when Jesus brings heaven down to earth. God's dwelling place becomes earth, and, and it's forever, there is no more sin, there is no more darkness, there's no more pain, none of that stuff. And we live in perfect community in God's presence, enjoy Him and each other for all eternity. And so when you know that, whatever you're going through, it gives you hope, right? You can keep persevering because the end is so much better than what you're going through right now. And then this next part of the passage, here's what it says. I love this. We're gonna, uh, gospel, he gives them a gospel center prayer. Uh, 2 Thessalonians 1, 11 through 12. Let me read this real quick. It says this, To this end we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Paul, you know, basically, he's like, I keep praying for you. You know what he's not praying for? He doesn't say that, I, that your suffering will stop. And it's okay if we pray that, you know, suffering stops for people. That's okay. But Paul's like, no, nah, he knows they're going to keep suffering, right? They're being attacked for their faith. He doesn't pray that that'll, that'll stop. You know, earlier, Gens in his prayer, his ask for prayer, he never said, hey, please let the suffering stop, right? He, he knows that's part of living where he lived. There is suffering. But here's what I love. He says he prays that what? That they'd be worthy of the calling. And so that's, that's basically that they'll grow in their faith, that whatever suffering they're going through, it does something. It makes them more and more like Jesus. And it prepares them for this day where there is not, they're not trembling. They're just in awe and worship. And so he makes them worthy of the call to please him forever. And then also I love this. So it says basically by God's powerful action, He will complete the good work he started in you so it's a promise he will finish that work you will be worthy on that day because jesus is worthy and he will make you worthy so there's no questions about that that will happen doesn't matter where you are in your faith the ups and downs. if you're in a valley he will bring you up but on that day he will make you he will complete you he will finish the good work first john tells us that when you see jesus face to face you will be like him and that's the picture here at the end when it says he's glorified in his saints is that Look his saints shine for once, right? We finally look like we're supposed to look in perfection with him forever, and that's a glorious, glorious day and so I kind of want to end it like this um, and here's the deal you you, you hear all this stuff and you're like, wait a second, you know like like like, how? How, how, do we, how do we live this out? How do we live like this in the midst of, of persecution? Because you can hear the story of Gens, and you hear his faith, you're like, that's amazing, but that's not me. Or maybe, you know, you look at Mr. Luke, and maybe you got some shame because I, had, I wasn't as urgent enough with one of my friends that does not know Jesus. And so that's not going to motivate you to continue to follow Jesus, right, and to live through this stuff. But what is it? And so here's what you want you to say. It's, it's, it's It's Jesus, right? It's marveling at him. It's marveling at Jesus. When I was thinking about this passage, John 11 just kept coming to mind, John 11. And John 11 is this beautiful passage, read it this week, where basically Jesus, uh, he's doing ministry and he gets this notice, he gets this, you know, he finds out that one of his good friends, Lazarus, is going to die. And and, and Jesus can go over there and heal him. He can do whatever, right? He's healed so many people. And Jesus is like, no, he's supposed to die. We're going to let him die. And we're going to let everybody who loves him suffer. You know, that's basically what the disciples were feeling, right? Because they're like, Jesus, why aren't you going? So Lazarus dies and Jesus goes back, right, to the funeral. He's going, he's going to see. And, and one of the sisters of Lazarus who Jesus loved comes out to him. And, and basically she's, you know, she's like, man, where were you? Like, why didn't you save, the, you know, Lazarus? Why? And, and basically he reminds her. Of the res- He says, I am the resurrection and the life. And she's like, yeah, I know that he's going to be resurrected one day. And she's like, he's like, no, I am the resurrection and the life. Right? Remember that, like in the midst of whatever, you need truth. And I am that person. So if you have a relationship with me, you have resurrection life right now. So he reminds them of that, okay? That, so some of us need truth in the midst of suffering. And then next what he does is beautiful. He goes then to uh, uh, Mary because she's weeping and she doesn't come to him. He goes to her and there's lots of people weeping. And then even though Jesus knows he's about to raise Lazarus from the dead, Jesus weeps, right? So Jesus enters our suffering, right? That's beautiful. That'll make you marvel. Like he enters our suffering and he weeps. And the text is really interesting. It says over and over that he was deeply troubled. And if you look at that word, it's this mixture of sadness and anger, like sadness and righteous anger, passion. And so... And so and if you look, you're like, what's he angry about? And if you study it, he's not angry at Mary or Martha because of their, you know, whatever, wherever they're at. He's not angry at that. He's angry at death. He's angry at suffering. He's angry at sin. He sees all this stuff, and he weeps, and he cries, and he's furious. And then guess what he does? He goes to the tomb. Now listen to this. This person is dead. He deserved death. The Scripture says that Lazarus deserved death. Because of his sins. But what does Jesus do? Jesus cries out. Could you imagine tears and frustration and anger, right? Boom, he cries out, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus just comes on out of that grave. But how could he do that, right? Lazarus deserves death. Well, the next part of the passage says this. It's beautiful. It says right after this, Jesus kind of had to go into hiding or couldn't make himself publicly known because the authorities planned to kill him. You see, Jesus knew by raising Lazarus from the dead that at this moment that that would send him to the cross. And he was willing to exchange his life for Lazarus' life. See, that love, that mercy, that grace, that gives us the lens to to just worship and be in awe of anything that we go through in this life. That gives us hope in some of the hardest things that we go through. And then Jesus would go to the cross. He would suffer alone. Man, his best friends, so think about relationships are so important. His best friends, one of them turned his back on him, turned him in. (laughs) All of them fell asleep when he needed them the most, and then they all ran. And so he goes to the cross. And you know on the cross what he's experienced, it's less about the physical pain. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So think about this, for the first time in Jesus' life, He's got perfect communion with God the Father for all his life, right? He's had that forever. He knows how awesome and perfect this loving relationship is. And then for the first time, right, God turns his back on him, right? He pours out the wrath, the, you know, the separate. He pours that out on Jesus. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, Jesus is quoting scripture there, right? Like, he's, 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 it's trust. He's not like, where are you? He knows what's happening. But he's quoting, right? And so, again, so that is the thing that will move you. So as we kind of move into a so what time, what I want you to do is when you think about, um, here's how this text, really want you to think about how does this text really impact you? Like, you know, like, like this should do something to us. This should move us, right? And so for me, here's where God really uh, convicted me this last week. He basically told me I have a Marvel problem. Every time I preach, I talk about a Marvel movie, okay? So that's one, one issue. Um, but it really is like, so this week, I was more urgent, okay? I was more excited. I had more urgency to see the season finale of Loki than I did to go across the street and talk to a neighbor about Jesus. Woo, that's convicting right there, right? Like, I'll, I'll move things around to see Loki finale, but man, I'm not gonna change my schedule to love a neighbor this week. That's, that's convicting right there. But you know what? That's, I'm not gonna move out of that just because like I'm supposed to do that. I, only I move out of as I marvel at Jesus. And I'm like, wow, what he's done for us, his love for us, his grace for me, that will help me endure in suffering. That will give me hope with, with the end times and everything that's gonna happen, I can trust his goodness, and that'll give me urgency for those who don't know Jesus. And so here's what I had to do this week. A guy came to mind, I texted that guy. I said, hey, man, I'm thinking about you. Uh, I'd love to get together with you and just, just you know get to see how you're doing. I miss you. God brought you to mind, so we're gonna get together this week. That was my step. I was like, i have got to listen to you, Jesus. So what's your step? We I mean, have a few minutes, kind of close your eyes, go into prayer and ask God, what is your step? How can you take action? What is God calling you to do based off this passage? Thank <smart noise>
1: Jesus, we're so grateful, so grateful for how you have loved us, you have lavished grace and mercy on each of us. Lord, for those of us that know you, who have entrusted our lives to you, I pray that uh, we would feel a great sense of hope, peace, encouragement, joy awe at how good you are. And Lord, if there is a person in this room or online that doesn't yet know you, I pray that what they would hear today is the beautiful love of Christ and the invitation to trust in Him and know Him for all of eternity. I pray that take a step of faith today and cry out to you.